When I was a kid, we went to visit my mom's cousin. Uh, we didn't go there very often. They were on a farm down in central Alberta. And um, uh, we went down, and, and they are um, very similar to, uh, they're part of our family. And, and, and every family that I know of that have ever went to their farm had old vehicles, old machinery, strewn all over the place. Um, and for me as a kid, we used to have a food going and playing on all the old vehicles and stuff. At my grandpa's farm, uh, there was tons of vehicles. Uh, I had a, a, an old great, 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 great uncle who was an inventor, a bachelor, who didn't throw anything away because there was probably some way that he would be able to take that and turn it into something else. And so um, uh, we used to have all kinds of fun racing cars, not actually going anywhere, but pretending that we were racing cars or pretending that we were farming and combining and all that kind of stuff. So at my cousin's place, we uh, there was all this stuff and we started playing. And we knew, because we played on all that stuff at Grandpa's farm, we knew kind of the rules and the expectations. Um, it's okay to play on them. We had lots of games that we could play. You just don't break stuff. But here, at our cousin's place, he brought out a pellet gun and started shooting holes through the windows. And we were a little bit shocked because that wasn't right. But he assured us that his dad didn't mind and we could break windows all we wanted. It was fine here. So... With exuberance, we started throwing rocks, shooting pellets, and all kinds of stuff, and windows, and headlights, and all this stuff. We were having a great time because we were told it was okay. And then the adults showed up. <laughs> and suddenly, everything got very tense. We discovered that his dad was not so fond of holes being shot in the window, and it was just a very uncomfortable thing. And on the way home, my dad made it very clear to us that even though we were in a new, unfamiliar place, the same rules apply. Even if, if, if we were told that, that, that we can follow different guidelines, we still have to represent our family, and, and he expects that we will follow through with the rules and the guidelines that we usually have. Peter is kind of saying that same thing here in this passage. We're going to be reading today from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. that there is an expectation of living above reproach. Even when you are in, a, in an unfamiliar setting, in a strange place, when you are a stranger or a foreigner, the same guidelines exist. Live as a citizen of heaven. Let's read this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, 
to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on that day of visitation. Live above reproach. Peter once again is using, uh, is wanting to remind the readers, those that he's writing to, that they are citizens of heaven. That here on this earth, they are foreigners. They're out of place. They're strangers. They are just travelers that are passing through, that their true home is in heaven. And the purpose of that is, is to give us great hope. To know that, that there is something more than just all of this. That, that, there, that, that we are different for a reason. Because our, our home is in heaven. Now I have to say, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the ESV's use of exiles here, sojourners and exiles. The Greek word that's being used doesn't necessarily have to be exile, and in fact, most times when it's used in the New Testament, it, it, it clearly is not referring to exiles. It is talking about being an alien, a stranger, a foreigner. Uh, the only time maybe you could kind of twist it into that is in Acts when Stephen is talking about Moses um, leaving Egypt and going into Midian, and, and it uses that same Greek word that he was a, a stranger, a sojourner in, in Midian. Um, and, and maybe you could kind of turn that into exile. Anytime that the New Testament talks about exiles, about the, the Babylonian exile or, or other exiles that the Jewish people have gone through, they use a different word than this one. So I, I don't think that exile is the best term because it has that connotation of being banned from your homeland, that, that you were forcibly... Um, uh, exited or taken away or held captive um, from your homeland. That's not the connotation that Peter is trying to give us here. He is, is, is telling us that we are aliens, that we're foreigners, that we're different than those that, that, that surround us. We are not living here permanently. Our permanent home, our citizenship is in heaven. And, and he's giving us that to us as an encouragement as something to give us hope, to, to, to reframe our existence here on earth, to help us understand why we struggle so much. Because we know it is human nature when there is someone that is different than us, there's a sense of wanting to keep that person at arm's length. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, there is that sense of when we are interacting with other people that have not received the grace of Jesus Christ and, and, and have surrendered to his authority in their lives, that there is a sense of somebody being a little bit different, not quite the same. Things aren't 
um, exactly in line. And, and so Peter is trying to remember that he's talking to people who are experiencing an increasingly ramped up persecution where they are more and more being excluded out of regular society things. They, those that, that were part of uh, uh, guilds that, that depended on their particular trade in order to make money were being excluded from those guilds because they were required to make sacrifices to particular gods in order to be a part of that guild. And because as followers of Christ, they were unable to make those sacrifices and, and, and pledge that allegiance to that uh, deity, whatever it might have been. They were being excluded so they could no longer use their trade to make money. And so they were getting excluded. Those that were a part of a family where they were the only ones who were a follower of Jesus. And they were refusing to, uh, to give incense to the, the household gods that were in their home. And they were feeling pressure. Some people were getting kicked out of their homes. Others were being persecuted and, and forced and, and, and demanded that they, that they uh, give up their faith in Jesus Christ. These people were experiencing this more and more. They were no longer able to go into the, the marketplace, the, uh, the decision-making center of the city, and participate in the votes because they, they were losing their citizenship. They were losing their opportunity to be able to be part of those votes and decisions. And, and they were just more and more getting excluded. And, and some places they were actually facing violence against them where, where people were um, uh, hurting them and, and there were no reprisals. They were uh, beginning to be arrested and tortured in order to, to try and get them to recant their faith. Peter is writing to them to try and encourage them. Say, you're experiencing this because you're a citizen of heaven. You are a child of the king. You're an alien. You're a foreigner. And you don't belong here. It's only for a time. It's only temporary. I know what it's like not to feel like you belong. When I was in grade nine, uh, my dad uh, took a call to pastor a church in Vancouver. We moved from Edmonton to Vancouver. And even though I was very excited about the adventure, uh, had all kinds of uh, things to look forward to, living in a new place and change and, and all that that brings, when we got there, when we when I went to school, a part of the church, I made some good friends, had good friends around me from the church and from school and stuff like that, but there was just always this sense that I didn't quite belong. I looked at things differently. Some things were silly things, like I couldn't believe the first day I went to school it was raining, as it does in Vancouver. And there were these tough guys with leather jackets and chains and, and everything, and they were carrying umbrellas. For a prairie boy, that just did not match at all. Only the girls carried umbrellas. Guys did, and these guys were tough 
thug-looking people, and they were carrying umbrellas, and it just felt different. But there were other things that just, I, I never quite felt like I fit in because my mindset was just very different. I wouldn't cheer for the Canucks or the Lions. I still won't. <laughs> but, uh, but other things that just, you know, there was a different mindset, a different way of looking at things. I think my mom uh, kind of said it once, in the prairies, You work to make a living. In BC, often you make a living, or, 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 or it, it, you work so that you can play. How did, how did she say that? I'm just trying to remember how it looked that she said. But but it's I, I think you can kind of see it when you look even going back to First Nations. You look at the First Nations people that lived in the prairies. They're art and everything was very limited. They would do some beads and stuff, but because they had to travel so far to feed their families, they had to follow the buffalo and everything and, and always looking for hunting, it was a struggle to live. They didn't have the same kind of art that you see on West Coast, um, First Nations people, right? They've got food everywhere. They're just like, you can't take a step without stepping on something that you can eat. And, and so they have all kinds of time to develop totem poles and the big uh, powwow lodges and all of the art that you see here in this area. And, 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 and I think there still is a little bit of that even in our modern society. There's, there's a sense that those that are in the prairies, it's more of a struggle to live because it's cold. And here we have a little bit of frost on the ground and everybody's, whoa, it's so chilly. And I just felt out of place when we made that move here. And, and it didn't matter how much I spent time and, and, and tried, it just, until we went back to Edmonton, and it was then like, all of a sudden, this is where I belong. Um, and, and just the, the re-entry into that society that was just way more familiar. That's what it is for us here as followers of Christ. Here on earth, there just is this sense that something's not right. That this isn't where I belong. And, and Peter is, is telling us, that's because you don't belong here. There is a far better place that we call our home. And a far better um, family that we are a part of. He says that they will speak evil of you as evildoers. Uh, that's something that you can expect. When they speak against you as evildoers, verse 12, I, I am a personality that I like to be liked. It, it bothers me when I know that there are people that are angry at me, um, that, that, that uh, don't connect with me in some way, that, that don't like me in some ways. Uh, and I don't know if that's true for you, but 
that sense that people are going to speak evil of you bugs me, but Peter's saying here, that's going to be a reality. Because you are a foreigner, because you are an alien, you are a sojourner in this land, they will speak against you. We know that that's true because when we are living according to the values of our heavenly home, and we live that out in front of people who are rejecting God. Remember Paul in his his passages in Romans, in Romans chapter 1 where he's talking about they know about God because God has made it plain to them. And yet they refuse to acknowledge him as God. They refuse to to submit to his authority in their lives. And so he turns them over to their futile thinking. The world is intentionally turning their backs on God. And anybody who is following after Jesus, who is listening to his truth and patterning patterning their lives after him, are going to to rub others the wrong way. People aren't going to want to hear about how Jesus is making such a wonderful difference in your life. Because that is just reminding them of what they have rejected, of the truth that they know, but they've turned their back on. And so, so as we go about our lives, living out our existence as citizens of heaven, people are going to speak against you. Now, we have been blessed in the Western world for a long, long time because in many ways our culture has been based on a Christian worldview. And so there hasn't been as much of that speaking against because it... You can kind of fit in with Western society. That is changing. More and more, the things that we say are true, they will say are false. More and more, the things that we identify as evil, they are identifying as good. And if we are going to try and fit in with society, we're going to have to compromise the truth that God has revealed to us. I don't want to do that. But when we speak the truth, people are going to call us intolerant. They're going to call us cruel and hateful. They are going to identify the truth that we speak as evil. That is to be expected. And Peter says, don't change the message to try and fit in. Instead, 
keep away from those flesh-motivated flesh passions. It says, Behold, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Because even as you live those truths out, and even as the people of the world look at you and speak to you as evildoers and, and, and reject you from society, push you out of common circles of good graces, one day, when the Lord comes in all of his glory and everything is set to right, those people will glorify God because of you. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? That the Lord will be lifted high even in the, the, the words and the voices of those who are his enemies. He will be exalted and honored and glorified because of the way that you have lived. I mean, Certainly there will be plenty to glorify God about just because he is God. In all of his creative wonders, in all of his wisdom, in all of his love, in, in the unlimitedness of his love for people. And it would be reasonable for people to bend their knee as they see him and honor and glorify him. But they will also glorify him because of you. Because of the way that you have lived. Because you chose to follow Jesus day to day, moment by moment, living in his power and his equipping in your life. I don't know about you, but that's something that, that I find worth working for. To suffering for. To putting up with being called an evildoer for. So that one day, People will glorify God because of what they have seen of Him in me. How do we do that? How do we abstain from, from following after those fleshly desires? I know for those of you that have been around this church for a while, you maybe have gotten a little bit sick and tired of me getting back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. 
But to me, that is, this is God telling us how we can live life as a follower of Jesus. Galatians 5, 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Peter's telling us to abstain from our fleshly desires. Paul is telling us this is how you do it. By following the Spirit. Not by following after some list of rules and regulations that you're able to live up to. That, that if you do X, Y, Z, so on and so forth, that then? No. By keeping in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is leading and guiding every moment of your life. When you come into a situation where you have an ethical dilemma, where you don't know what it is that you're supposed to do, when you are encountering an individual who has chosen a lifestyle that goes against what the Bible has to say, and you have an opportunity to speak into their life, and you don't know, is this the time when you need to proclaim the truth, to challenge them and say, you are missing God's ideal? Or is this the time that you need to extend the love of Christ and let them know that Jesus loves them exactly as they are? And I know how hard it is to try and figure out what's the right thing to say in that. You don't have to worry about it. Because the Spirit knows exactly what that person needs. And if you are walking by the Spirit, He will lovingly reveal to you exactly what that person needs in that moment. When you are faced with an ethical struggle in your life, no, when you're faced with a, a temptation that's coming your way, you know, that thing that you keep on tripping and falling at, and you're trying to break that pattern in your life, and yet you keep on falling, and you're trying to think, what, what is a strategy that I can use that will give me victory over this sin that I keep on falling into? You know what? You don't have to worry. Because the Spirit will show you exactly what you need to do in order to gain victory over that sin in your life. To keep in step with the Spirit. So then the next question is, okay, how do I keep in step with the Spirit? What does that mean, to walk by the Spirit? It means focusing on hearing Him speak. It is God's nature to reveal himself. Jesus told the disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I now call you friends because I have revealed to you all that the Father has commanded. You don't know what you're supposed to do? The Spirit will show you. How do you hear what the Spirit is saying? Prayer. Ask. And if you lack wisdom, 
Let him ask. The Father will give generously. Prayer is not just coming to God and saying, uh, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, praying for this. Prayer is coming and having a conversation with God, listening to what He is saying to you, allowing His Spirit to speak to you. It's coming into an attitude of, of submission and surrender to hear His voice. So we walk by the Spirit through prayer. We walk by the Spirit and hear what He is saying to us by reading His Word. First of all, as we read the Word of God, we, we train ourselves to recognize the kinds of things that He says so that when we are in prayer, when we are in and about our day-to-day our day life in this world, we recognize His voice when He's speaking to us because we are so familiar with the kinds of things that He says. Yes, that's part of what happens in Scripture. But also what happens when we are in Scripture is He actually speaks to us through these words. I don't know if you've ever experienced where you've read something 10, 20, 30 times in your life, and then suddenly you're at a perfect situation where something is going on, and you come to Scripture in that moment, and suddenly it's like, ah, I never saw that before. That makes so much sense. The Spirit is speaking to you in that moment. And when we come to Scripture, we need to come expecting that He will speak to us. Listening for Him to speak to us. There are all kinds of people. I have this opportunity of going to the university with Pagan every day, and one of his teachers teaches the New Testament. He does, he's Pagan's taken a philosophy course with him, but he also does a New Testament. And he has spent his whole life studying these words. But he follows Eastern religions and Buddhism and, and Hinduism and all that kind of weird New Age stuff. He, he knows this stuff inside and out. But he's never listened for God to speak to him through these words. We need to come expecting that God will speak to us. So we walk by the Spirit by prayer. We walk by the Spirit by reading His Word. We walk by the Spirit by being in fellowship with other believers. I need you so that God can speak to me through you. And you need these over here and these over here in order to be able to hear from God because all of us have limits. We are finite beings and we can only experience this much of God in our lives because we just have limits. There's only so many things that we can go through. But when I come and talk with you and you share your experience with me, I suddenly have more understanding of who God is. And as you share with me the way that God is speaking into your life, God uses you to then speak to me. We need each other. And, and not just sitting beside one another, listening to somebody else talk up here, but we need to be sharing with one another. 
need to be encouraging one another. That's why prayer and Bible study and, 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 and just gatherings and talking with one another, even outside of a Sunday morning throughout the week, that we are encouraging and saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to react to this situation. What do you think? Or to say to somebody, I just read this in Scripture. God is so good that he revealed this particular aspect of this character to me. So we walk by the Spirit, by prayer, by reading the Word, by fellowship with believers. We walk by the Spirit by intentional worship. Looking for the goodness of God. Having eyes that are prepared to see his hand, his fingerprints in the things that are going on around us and being quick to then saying, thank you, Lord. You are a great God. Your love is unimaginable. Your truth is unassailable. To worship and praise Him. We certainly do that here as a fellowship, as a body of believers. We can do that with other people and need to do that as part of our fellowship. But we also need to be doing that in our personal lives. Looking for opportunities to worship and praise our God. And when we are in that place of worshiping Him, He'll reveal Himself. He'll show His face. He'll help us to know what it means to walk by the Spirit, how we follow what He is saying. So we walk by the Spirit, by prayer, by reading the Word, by fellowship together, by worshiping Him, and then finally by serving others. God has a heart for the needy, for the orphan, for the widow, for the, for the imprisoned, for the sick, for the thirsty, for the hungry. And when we go and serve somebody else in need, we will find Jesus is already there. And he will speak to us as we serve the needs of other people around us. How do you walk by the Spirit? How do you abstain from the passions of your flesh, your sinful nature, you pray. You immerse yourself in the Word of God. You join in fellowship and share vulnerability with other believers and allow them to have the, 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 the opportunity to speak into your life. You look for every opportunity to worship God. And you serve those who are in need. And when you are there, God speaks to you. You will know the Good Shepherd's voice. You will know where he is guiding your steps. He will empower you to have victory over the sin that, that's there in your lives. He will guide your ethical decision making. And in your life, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's what happens here. That's what Paul goes to as he closes off chapter 5 here in Galatians chapter 5. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such 
things, there is no law. If you are walking by the Spirit, the people will see your life. And even though they may speak against you as an evildoer, they will glorify God. Lord, let that be a reality in my life. You know the struggle that I have dealing with sin and the, the passions of my flesh. Things that would draw me away from you. Lord, I need your help, I need your empowering to have victory over that sin, to be able to abstain from those fleshly passions, Lord. And so I look to you, Jesus, as the author and the perfecter of my faith, the one that has brought me to salvation and the one who will carry me through the sanctification process unto glorification. Help us as a people to walk in your spirit. Help us to live lives that clearly reflect our heavenly citizenship. Would we have the joy, Lord, not only of seeing people at the day of visitation glorifying you, but Lord, those that we come in contact with, our friends, our family, our neighbors, those that we care about, that we would see them glorifying you because of what they see of you in us. For we know that the days are short. We know that day of visitation is coming. There are so many that we love deeply who are not ready. Help us to live lives that point people to you. In Jesus' name. Yeah.